Hey guys, uh, we are. We're, I think we're topical this week. This is weird. This week we're topical because a movie just came out. I was so fucking excited for this movie. Uh, we're talking about the 2022 Hellraiser. But before we start talking about that, before we start mutilating our bodies for the satisfaction of experience and pleasure, uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod on our website, launchpadpod.com. Um, yeah, do that. Watch us on YouTube. Thanks to everybody who checked out our Obi-Wan series. That was a boatload of fun. That was super fun. I had a good time. Kyle, always good to have our resident Star Wars expert in the house. Um... But yeah, today we're talking Hellraiser. So we have such sights to show you on, on the Launchpad on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we have such noises to hear you. We have such noises to play for your ears. Anyway, let's tickle those eardrums with needles on the Launchpad podcast. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, we're talking about 2022's Hellraiser. A movie I'm pretty excited to talk about. Um, well, as far as being topical is is concerned, are you caught up on Rick and Morty? Uh, I'm I'm behind like two two weeks. Okay. Well, okay, but not season. So you did you see? I'm on Hulu, so I'm not even watching whatever the newest season is. So I'm not caught up. But you saw the Cenobite one. The one with the Cenobites, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that There's, one was that, fantastic. I can't now. I now can't see or hear or think about Cenobites without that. Parody specifically. Yeah, they kind of fucked it. Um, but that's okay. Uh, I, you know, that's okay. I'll bring I, that up later in a positive light, though. But let's. So 2022, it's not a remake. It has the same name as the classic original Hellraiser, um, 1987's Hellraiser, horror classic, seminal horror classic, one of the best horror films of all time. I, I love the original Hellraiser. I think it's really? fucking that, phenomenal. You put him or you put it up there with some of the best horror of all time. I'm assuming um, as, you at least mean modern horror, right? Yeah, as far as like uniqueness goes, like there's nothing else. There's nothing else like this. Sure, like, sure. Like it, when you look at like '80s horror, and when you look at '80s horror, that's like here's a spooky guy, like like Freddy or Jason or that. You know, Pinhead is often right up there with them, but like Pinhead's barely in his own fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Pinhead is just one of those things that the second you saw him, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, what and the like, fuck is that? Like, he didn't have to do anything. Like, I feel like Chucky has had to have like nine films and two series to even like earn a spot in the top slot of like heavy hitter horror icons. But you're like, Chucky's the bomb. How did Pinhead sneak in? Well, because he fucking just shows up and is like, no tears. They're a waste of good suffering. And you're like, oh, that guy's one of the best. There he goes. You just here you go. Come on, have a seat. So do you think and I'm not asking your personal opinion, what Aaron thinks, but you think that in pop culture as a whole, I guess, and I guess we're saying American pop culture for American movies, do you think Pinhead and the Hellraiser franchise ranks higher somehow than the Chucky than Chucky and the Child's Play Chucky franchises? I I think people consider it scarier. If if that's your if 
if that's okay, your way, I can yeah, see yeah, that. Yeah, if, I, if, I, I, I understand sure. that. That's a good way to, to discern it, I guess. If, yeah, if people are like, what's a scarier franchise or what's a scary movie? But like, you know, I think, I think Chucky also gets a little bit of a, a pop culture um, bolster from, you know, era of, you, I, I don't know. Like you see him on like hip hop clothing now and stuff. <laughs> like people wear chains with Chucky on it and good guy dolls. So yeah, that's I never understand cool. how, how like things like that make leaps like that. Bushwick you know? Bill. That's why. Because there was this guy from really? the rapper. Yeah, his name was Bushwick Bill, and he was short or on the shorter side. I, I don't know if I want to say that he was a little person, but he was a tiny guy, and he would come on stage wearing a Chucky around his neck, and like often would rap about Chucky things, and like you know, a nickname of him was Chucky. So I, I personally, that's where I think that came from. But I, I could be wrong. Hey, if you guys know more about hip hop than I do, um, which is entirely possible but uh let me know why why is chucky showing up in uh in more recent years in in hip-hop clothing and whatnot but we're not talking about chucky we're not talking about chucky versus pinhead which i'd watch that movie um we're talking about the 2022 remake which was trying to not be a remake it was just a reimagining which i always hate the the semantics of it like it was a remake but it didn't erase anything or try and retell the original, like, it wasn't like, oh, here's Kirstie Cotton and her dad and, and her dick uncle. Like, it was a whole new story that could have been in any of the, any of the pinhead franchise. Um, it could franchise be in the lots. same universe. It could not be. They could, it could exist by itself yeah. or it could be a sequel. Like, I just, uh, Matt, well, you don't see, you don't seem as, as enthused. I'm not no, feeling the vibe. So, like, I, you texted me that, like, how excited you were and I could feel your boner through the text. <laughs> And My flayed boner. Yeah. <laughs> this this was fun. The effects were good, just like the original Hellraiser. The effects were good when we got them, or when we got to them. The story was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. I feel like it had a couple flaws that made me not enjoy it as much as I could have. That didn't necessarily need to be that way, and we can get into those. But um, to me, it was just like, oh, that was good. And I feel like the second Hellraiser is really good. The first one is really good, but nuanced. And I think like we've just said, uh, Pinhead is barely in it. And I think all of us, before we ever saw that movie, we thought it was about Pinhead killing people. And that's not really what the first Hellraiser is about. There's a whole story there that's way more than that. And Pinhead is a character and an important force in that story. But that's not what the movie is about. And not to its detriment, that first one is good. The second one is a little bit more where, like, the Cenobites are more of a thing in the second one, the original Hellraiser 2. Sure. This one is very much like that, where there's a lot of things. There's a human element. There's more than one human element and danger element based in our world and the human world. And it's fine. But to me, it just felt like a good sequel. It didn't reimagine anything, didn't blow anything out of the water. I wasn't like... Like, this is one of those, Rumi, that if you were like, yeah, I saw it, I would have been like, do you want to talk about it? And if you went, eh, I didn't really care, I would have said, all right, me neither. But you were like, I'm watching it with Kate. And then the next day you were like, oh, blah, blah, pleasure is paid. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Okay. For the sake of comedy, can I just say you're wrong? For the sake yeah, of- Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can time. always say anything for comedy. You're fucking wrong. No. So, okay. Yes, it is. It is no better- Okay, you have the first two films, which are pretty damn good. But the second one yeah, in the yeah. third act is like, um, well, shit, here's how we, how do we build mythos? We don't really know how to tell a story. So how do we build mm. mythos? Let's get really fucking confusing. When she goes into the labyrinth to see Leviathan 
and like they're making Cenobites and there's all these like weird shit. They're like, I man, hey, remember this guy from the first movie? He was creepy, right? Like they have nothing to build off of. So the movie got derailed. Yeah. It started out the second one starts out so strong and then derails completely by the last act. Cool visuals, but none of it makes any sense. You're like, yeah, but why? And then the movie's like, I pins in this guy's face we're look 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i agree with that and it, it just falls apart then you have like they're out of 11 movies oh a whole bunch of fucking garbage man like really bad and yes the third one he, pinhead goes into a nightclub and slaughters thousands of people but you have cd face cenobite and camera face cenobite and the movie's like we don't understand cenobites so, uh, hey, uh, I got I got bottle Cenobite. Here's bottle Cenobite. Yeah, it's like I'm your just- dad doing. Like, my dad would walk in. If me and my friend were watching that at sleepover, he'd walk in and be like, oh, look, I'm remote pinhead. And he'd put, like, the remote on his head. And you'd yeah. be like, dad. <laughs> They're just like, he wouldn't say Cenobite. He'd say pinhead. I'm remote control pinhead. <laughs> remote control pinhead, boy. <laughs> yeah. They're just picking, you know, they're drawing at straws. And again, they tried to tell Mythos, and you're like, hey, cool idea, but you don't know how to follow through on any of this. And then the fourth one has like cool, like quad storylines in space. And you're like, well, that's a great idea. How are you going to pull it off? And they're like, by neutering all the violence and stuff that made the first three cool. Okay, well, I guess that's a movie. And then from there, it's just tank, 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 terrible movies. Well, then it's like, then it, and that's a, a, a like you could write a paper on that because that is the straight to DVD era, right? Right now we have straight to subscription era, but uh, a film in general, let alone horror, right? But those those sequels, you know, like Hellraiser five through thirty seven, are just those late night Cinemax. You couldn't tell the difference between seven and eight. It's the same shit, and like at that point. I think they're not making them to be great. They're making them for the Cenobite, the Cenobites, the kills, and that's it. Don't really worry. Maybe some TNA. And they're literally making them to maintain the rights. Correct. Because like Miramax or Dimension or whatever fuckhead Weinstein had over them, like they like, we have to make one every couple years or we lose the rights. So we better keep pumping out this bullshit because we don't want Clive Barker to get his movie back. Literally, that's what they were doing. Um, According to a, a thing I read this week where Clive Barker said so. Anyway, this to me is like a reimagining. It was a course correct that maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, whether the movie was better or worse, up for debate. We'll talk about it. I liked it. I thought it was really well done. I thought it had a lot of heart. I I thought it hit a lot of the themes correctly. But I think what gives it so much more clout in my book is it set the ship straight again. Wow. From here on out, if you keep up with this quality, you can make good Hellraiser movies again. You can have cool Cenobites again. This is a way to reset things. And I felt I felt a a excitement and comfort at the same time of being like, oh, whew, they did it right. They didn't do a bad job, at least if 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 you know, would you agree with that? They didn't they made a competent film no, with it's a good characters. Mo- it, it, it is a good movie. I think it's just like for me, take the fact that it's Hellraiser 27 or whatever number it actually is. Take away the fact that I care about the first two and I think they're good. And and I'll tell you in a minute, like Hellraiser means something to me specifically, um, like sentimentally almost. Um, but like take all that out and just watch it as a contemporary horror movie. It did a good job, but just like meh, like at the end, you're like, you passed. Which is actually hard right now, I have to say. Yeah. So maybe I'm over-exaggerating how underwhelmed I am because most horror movies of today, at the end, I'm unsatisfied. I feel gypped. I feel like they didn't understand how to craft a horror movie. Like, there were some decent scares in this. Like, 
Hellraiser is not a jump scare movie. It shouldn't be. And this was not. It was not trying to be. It didn't try to do that. Um, it was a very visual, surreal thing. There was a lot of, obviously, body dysmorphic stuff, which is what it's supposed to be. Um, and esoteric nonsense and shit, which is what it's supposed to be. So, yeah, maybe I'm not giving it enough credit. So, to see it do a course correct, I was so thrilled by. I think also you took a huge jump because it could have easily just been like, yeah, guys, fucking kinky sex shit's freaky, right? And you're like, it's 2022, man. Like, <laughs> kinky sex shit. I turn on the TV and fucking Sesame Street has a guy in a ball gag. Like, I mean, like, like, that that and and this is something that Clive Barker said in this article that I read. It's him talking to the director of the new one, and he was like, "The first thing I said was like, if you're gonna do it, how do you make the Cenobites scary again? Because BDSM is old. In fact, like Grandma will wear a spike bracelet to the bank. Like BDSM is played out. But back in the '80s when it came out, that was edgy. That was scary. There was an element of danger to that mm. to that aesthetic. But then we lived through Marilyn Manson." Like that, that was brought to the mainstream. Like it's he not was even kind of like a human Cenobite, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was. So it's like, yeah, uh, Rammstein, you know, any of those guys. Like, I was just going to say Rammstein. I literally listened to them on the way to kindergarten today. <laughs> I mean, mm. when Slipknot is at least 30 years old as a band, maybe 25. Anyway, when Slipknot's sure. a thing, it's like, Cenobites aren't scary. We have Slipknot. So how are you going to do it? And he's like, well, if, if leather's out, how about a different kind of leather? Leather is in their own leather. Do, 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 do. Which mm -hmm. let's talk about the design of the Cenobites. This thrilled me. I thought the makeup was solid. I thought the design aesthetic of it was true to what the originals were. What made the originals scary? They were visceral. It made you feel something. And I thought the design for the Cenobites was incredible. Like I was really pumped on that. Like so much so, it's like, when are the toys coming out? Neca, hit me up. Like let's, let, I'll buy them all right now. Give me a box set. Let's do it. What did you think about the design of them? I agree. I um, I don't even think we should get into like the female pinhead. That doesn't bother me at all. That was fine, and her design was good. I think it was a updated evolution of pin of of original pinhead, right? Like you said, they kind of got rid of the leather and just had a little, little bit of like whatever material clothing stuff covering certain parts, but then their bodies were all flayed and stuff. But the designs are awesome. And that's the thing. Every new Cenobite you see in this movie, I was like, man, how cool for that design meaning when they were like, okay, the last person had their, you know, a slit down their spine, the spine getting pulled out and, you know, the skin was pulled up and over around this thing. Like... It must have been so cool to design each of those characters. And I don't think we get a distinct character from most of them, only the ones that have a featured role, which I thought was fine. The one thing I didn't love was the chatterer. Like there was an updated pinhead. There was pretty much an updated chatterer, right? But then in the old one, there was like a girl and there was Butterball, right? The big fat guy. They had the updated girl. But I think there was like multiple updated girls. But For this, me, it was the, like the one either that make them updated girl updated of the old designs mm -hmm. and like keep it tethered to that or just fresh new batch because the the updated one of the updated the one that had the lines uh my mm -hmm. wife was like why didn't it go back into her cheeks because her it was kind of an updated cross between the, this one and the one that happens in bloodlines where her skulls like pulled open and then like attached to her yes, shoulders yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one that's in bloodlines um and then the one in the original like she has this like wire thing that goes in her cheeks mm -hmm. and then like goes up over her head 
And uh, yeah, my wife was like, I like that contraption that went into her cheeks. She thought that was cool. But like this Cenobite was kind of a mix of both of those. I, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, it's like, I'm just happy that we got to see Cenobites and they weren't stupid fucking CD faces and camera faces, which again, for that movie, I love CD Cenobite. Agreed. Yeah. For the sake of CD Cenobite, but I don't want him to be in my Hellraiser movies. He's fine in Hellraiser <laughs> 3, but please don't like, like, if you are in charge of designing Cenobites for the 2023 Hellraiser or whatever, I'm just, I'm just don't try and find random things to shove in people's heads and be like, new Cenobite. And I'm actually glad the technology has advanced because like CD Cenobite, fucking video camera Cenobite, now it'd all just be like phone Cenobite. <laughs> Look at your... <laughs> If you're watching the YouTube, the way Aaron just put his thing on there, it confused his Zoom robot and you could see through his head. Did you see yeah. that when that happened? That was cool. I mean, you would just be phone phone Cenobite, which was stupid. But like, I love the new Cenobites. I love the idea of it. I think that, 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 that that's my favorite part about it. Like, I want to watch it again just to see that creepy lady like splay her fingers open into like giant arms. Fucked up. Um, as far as like, here's my qualm. Here's the Wait, thing that it, I have. Is it is this Cenobite related? Because I don't want to go no, off the of Cenobite shit I, yet. Keep talking about Cenobites then. So like we said earlier, Hellraiser as a franchise is not a jump scare movie. It's not a where is Pinhead going to come out from movie. That's not the idea of it. The idea of it is what they're preaching, what they're pushing, but also looking at those fucking makeups. You're supposed to get queasy. You're supposed to have like... The reason Kate likes the, the girl with the things in her cheek is because no one likes the idea, the image or the thought, the imagination of something piercing your cheek. You don't like that. And then sticking there so that when you move your mouth, it wiggles and hurts like that. That is the idea behind these movies and this mythos and everything. Visceral. Yeah, it's supposed to make you feel visceral. And the makeups throughout have I mean, I don't know about the shitty sequels and shit. I don't I honestly remember zero. But I remember the first three movies and the one that we're talking about now, 2022, and those makeups make you cringe a bit. First of all, they look great. They're well designed. They're well applied. They look good. They act right. They don't look cheesy. They look gross. And that's where the horror comes. When you just said the girl's hand splitting apart, that's where the horror is. It's not that girl coming out of something and scaring you. It's her being gross. Um I thought the idea of that one with the thing, with the skin pulled over its face so it couldn't see. Ace I, fix is I what thought it's that called. was cool. I thought that yeah. was a neat idea. And then it pulls off and you could see the rest of the face later. I thought that was so a good, good idea. It was well implemented and stuff. Now, for me personally, yeah. I knew Hellraiser growing up. I may have seen it once, but in college, in the fall of my sophomore year is when I started getting into practical effects. Someone I knew who was into practical effects was like, wait, you, you haven't really like seen Hellraiser? You gotta watch it. And I remember watching and expecting Pinhead to just kill everybody, and that's not what the movie's about. But you have a fucking body going from nothing, from a blood splot on the floor, slowly forming into a skeletal system, and then musculature over that, and it's this skinny-ass guy in a shredded muscle suit. Oh, it's so fucking good. And it's yeah. like, for me, this screams fall and beginning of my like fall Halloween and beginning of my makeup career, which it's fun to go back there. So this is a movie that when I watch it, if you fuck this up, I'm going to be a little bit angry or at least purposely not like the film. This was cool. And looking at those Cenobites did bring me back to, you know, October of what would that have been? 2002 yeah, or 2001, Matt learning from these horror movies and being like, wow, that's what this is supposed to look like. 
wow, that's what this is supposed to look like. And I also felt that the practical effects and the makeup effects and whatever CGI is there felt pretty seamless. Like yes, the I stuff agree. that stuck out as being CGI, like the world turning into the Cenobite maze. Sure. That that makes sense. That doesn't have mm-hmm. I don't need that to be practical to be impressed. Correct. And the VFX worked in that sense. Like I loved how the world would like they like when they call the Cenobites in the original movie, everything would just turn blue and light would shine through the walls and then a door would open. In this, it's like the 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 world starts shifting to reveal the maze, and then the Cenobites are in the maze. And it's like that's fucking scary. And that's the fucking re- cool. Like literally when we were when you're watching this movie there's a scene where they're in a van a driving van and the cenobites are coming and the ground starts opening up into these staircases and i was like i literally was like it would be so cool if a wall of the van opened up and, and it does the van, the did, van yeah. like essentially extends and only the main only the character who's experiencing the cenobites at that time can see it but we as the audience watch from like almost her pov inside the van as the van extends to create this new and it was like you said, clearly it was CGI, but A, it looked good. And yeah. B, forgiveness, any forgiveness they needed, I give it to them because it looked fucking cool and it was a good idea and it it kept that world going. It was definitely a big balloon bop. You know what I mean? We always use that term. Um, Huge. I will suspend my disbelief continuously because this is fun. This is awesome. To give a big shout out, um, the VFX were done by Ingenuity Studios, uh, who is my VFX family. I came out of that company and they did a killer job. And I will say this once because I'm just the slightest bit bitter. Uh, I was offered to work on this film and turned it down because I was already knee deep in Walking Dead stuff. And I regret that because it would have been fun. But also, if I had worked on it, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would love it as much because it's like that's a job. And I got to experience, I got to experience it as a fan and as a, 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 as somebody excited to see it. And I am still excited. Like I really liked it. So it was was cool. Like there is that part of me. It's like, man, I wish I I had done that. But at the same time, I'm like, Fuck yeah, I got to enjoy it on my own. And everybody was like, it was hard. It was a lot of work, a lot of fucking work. So I believe it, but shout out to Ingenuity and everybody worked on that. So uh, very cool there. Uh, I thought the Cenobites were awesome, man. That's that's the thing. That was the biggest highlight for me. That's the thing that like plot-wise, anything, any qualms that I have or issues that I have, the Cenobites and their design and how they acted kept the movie in a high ranking for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, talking about characters, they were cool. I did not like the main character. The main character, we immediately are slammed over the head with the fact that she's like a ne'er-do-well. Like she's a chick out of rehab who's, they imply sleeping with this guy that she just met. Um, She's addicted to everything. Her brother thinks she doesn't do anything right. For me, like I was waiting for some sort of like redemption from her or the fact that her lifestyle choices end up helping in the end and i didn't think they did it was just one of those like why am i supposed to like this girl okay right off the bat this is why the movie is kind of smart while i agree the characters are not likable because none of them have they're all like like my favorite character of her friend group is like her brother's boyfriend but like who is he right yeah 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 brother's boyfriend you don't really know him you're introduced to him yeah I liked his character because he's trying to help people. Uh, her other roommate. Who's her other roommate? Other roommate who made tapas. Okay. But, <laughs> and, and like, I made this argument. I was thinking about it. I was like, so, okay. The first one's so good. Well, in the first one, who is Kirsty? Christy? Kirsty. We don't even know. Why is she there? We don't know. She said she had to get a job. What's her job? At a pet store? Why? Why is she even there? 
what who are these people that she has a boyfriend who i don't think we ever say his name so like they don't have any character depth either but for whatever reason those people in the first one are more likable than this one i will say this though we as human beings as a society are kind of geared up to be like boo drug addicts and that kind of sucks like when you watch like the show uh intervention which i love watching intervention like you feel bad at first you're like man fuck these assholes they're drug addicts and they're ruining their family and then they're like you know they show you a little bit of them at the beginning and then they go into yeah but when they were kids their dad died and this happened right you humanize it right you humanize them we didn't get that backstory of why she's an alcoholic or why this happened or why she's a drug addict or why she's having a tough time so it was it was rough but at the same time that is the biggest key to why this movie is fascinating because the movie is about addiction the first one was about like sexual frustration and bdsm and stuff and had a lot of that like forbidden fruit aspect going on this was all from the lens of addiction and this is why i'm going to skip to the end and say when they said interesting you chose the lament configuration it's because her addiction and addiction in real life fucks every single person around you and you have to live with that when you get sober if you get sober and one of the hardest things i think for people who probably have to get sober is the realization i have to live with the fact that i fucked over my friends and family and the embarrassment that comes with that i've driven them away and it's like i have you have to live with that every day and the fact that she chose the sorrow of that is so real and i thought that that was what made this film brilliant it was just looking at addiction and it was looking at vices through a way of something that then became monstrous because to me the best monsters are one that are tied to real world uh conflict. Right, you say that all the time and, and when you say like the monster becomes a a metaphor and analogy for what you know is an actual thing that that character and we as real humans suffer through or know people who are suffering and that's why i think that's why i thought the movie was written really smart i thought the character was a little shallow absolutely but that can be like you know that's okay again at the end of the day i've seen i've enjoyed movies with shallower characters more and uh i've seen movies that everybody thought were really fucking good with with lots of deep characters that i thought sucked so like I, I it, it didn't bug me the parts that i thought like i i would have liked maybe 10 more minutes or 20 more minutes of character development or add some of that into the beginning because the beginning was a little slow mm-hmm. but then it picks up when they start breaking into shit and stealing cenobite puzzle boxes so you've said about her the main character whose name was riley you said it a couple times that she was shallow or she wasn't deep i agree with that <clears throat> excuse me but i don't really hold that hard against them because movies are not trying to make super deep characters for the most part certainly not horror movies certainly not contemporary horror movies that are reboots or redos or re- whatever you want to call it re-ups or, or new takes on whatever so i'm not really looking for a ton of development that's great and like that's like when you say to someone oh you like comic books what comic books do you like you're like oh i like spider-man and you're like oh what kind of spider-man do you like you're like oh i don't know like you know like when he fights venom that's not a comic book dude that's something you know what i mean clearly you don't know what the fuck you're talking about so yeah. like you can make a horror movie like that or you can make a horror movie that has these deep analogies now i like that you brought up the addiction angle because that is very important and kind of frames the whole movie, right? And it really makes it a, a a more compelling piece as a whole. That said, I'm not worried about her depth. I had no connection to her. There was no reason to like, and and without shaming anything, there was no reason to like her. Doing drugs is not a thing that at least I will like a character for. 
um, she didn't try to fix anything other than once she realized her her brother disappeared, possibly as the results of her actions with the puzzle box, she wanted to try to fix that. But it didn't feel like a big, you know, hero's journey moment where she decides to try to go into hell and save him. But it was like, why do I care about this girl? Because the movie has made her the main character. That was the only reason. And when you think about like Breaking Bad, you think about um, Lolita. Those are pretty good examples of like an anti-hero that you shouldn't like. You shouldn't. I. You shouldn't want to identify with that character. But the movies and the shows are crafted around those characters. You gotta make me care about them some way. I want Walter White to succeed, even though he's a scumbag and a liar and a murderer and a cheat. You want him to succeed. Because then there's the next episode and the next episode. No, you're not supposed to watch that show and be like, I hope he gets caught this episode. Because right. then the show is over. This this movie was kind of like that. And like, I why did I want her to succeed in anything? Because I didn't really care. You know what I mean? I had I wasn't connected to her at all. She didn't what what they anything. needed. Yeah, here's what they needed. Her brother still wanted to save her. What did he see in her? And if they had showed us a piece Correct. of that, Correct. like a moment, because like we usually it, throughout the movie, we just see her and her brother kind of fighting like they're just mad at each other. And I get it. Like she's an addict and he's sure. trying to take care of her and it's frustrating and, you know, all that stuff. Like I said, I watch a lot of intervention. So I, I like I'm like, this is very familiar. But like if we had been able to see what he sees in her, I had a moment that made us because then when she's like, I want to save my brother, there's something that you're like, oh, she still has she still has something good and worth fighting for. But we needed to see what he sees in her and we needed to see something other than like, I don't know, like for me, the thing that was identifiable was like her brother shitting on her, man. She's just trying to be free and trying to get better. And you're like, yeah, that sucks. Parents just don't understand, man. But like now that I'm adult, an adult, like it's it's kind of like grow up and get your shit together. Like, yeah, you I mean, you agree. Like, if anything, I related more to the brother character. Yes. And if you guys haven't seen it yet, the brother is a little ham fisted with like, you got to get your life together and I'm sick of paying your rent and you, you, I know you could do better. And she's like, but our parents are dead and you're not my parent. And he's like, but I care about you. And it's very ham fisted. But although he's ham fisted and goes about it the wrong way. You're like, I understand what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from. I I felt that way about friends. I felt that way about family. I've been in a situation like that before. I didn't really relate to her. And even if you did, even if I was a recovering addict or addicted to something or had a family member who expected more of me that I just, no matter what I did, could not... I mean, I do. My parents were kind of like that. But like, I don't have that... Even, even relating to her like that level, I don't care. Like, I'm not... You haven't made me care about it. It's like Star Wars Force Awakens. They're like, this is Rey. And I'm like, okay, what's her deal? They're like, she's a scavenger. And you're like, cool. Now she's got a lightsaber. Okay. Ah, she got a connection to Kylo Ren. Okay. But like, why do I care about any of this? See, that's really weird because I thought they did a good job with Rey because it was like, oh, she's an orphan. I'm like, just like Luke. And they're like, yeah, she has a tie to Kylo Ren. I'm like, just like Luke had a tie to Darth Vader. And like it, they they were relying on you to be able to tie those things together. Like remember, do their other fucking mo- work for them. I'm in the audience. <laughs> Hire me. You. Want- <laughs> uh, I've always said if you have to say, oh well, you should have read the comic book before you said, fuck <laughs> yeah, you. You hate that shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do it anyway. I'll do my homework. Um, it, it, that's the way I felt about the watch. You shouldn't movie. have to. If you do and it sheds more light on something, great. But like you shouldn't have to 
read the manual to watch a movie. Yeah. You shouldn't have to read the manual to understand a comic book, right? Yeah, that's what I will say about those Lord of the Rings movies is they were like, no, you don't have to read the book. We are as long as the books and we will tell you everything, everything. every fucking thing. Remember that part in the book that everybody forgets and doesn't care about? Yeah, we went there and showed it to you. We filmed that shit. <laughs> Well, you go. that's one of the strengths, actually, of this movie, Hellraiser 2020, in my opinion, was you said that it did a good job of getting the franchise back on track, like putting a, it's almost like we said about Prey, right? It's a Prey was a, the way a Predator movie should be. This was the way a Hellraiser movie should be. But to me, that's one aspect of it. But another aspect, and I think this is kind of important, is there's fucking, I don't know, 10 Hellraiser movies already? That can be daunting to someone who doesn't know or doesn't care. This movie was very accessible. You could come onto this movie having seen everyone, having seen none of them, having only seen the good ones, having only seen an ad, and it made it very accessible. It did a good job if you knew Hellraiser world, you kind of knew what was going on before the characters and maybe before the audience beside you who might not have seen it. But had you come into it clean, this was good. It was a good jumping on point. And I think that's tough to do. I read a lot of comics and you could see those points that where they try to make it where they're like, you never read Spider-Man before. You can start here and you're not missing anything. I think that's actually really hard to do. And as an audience member, some people don't want to get involved. I know I haven't read books or started movies because I'm like, fuck it. I'm already 12 behind, you know? Well, and here's something that also makes it really good and and why I think this idea of reimagining works. Like you said, we read lots of comic books. There are lots of comic books where, you know, what is the classic Wolverine costume? What is the modern Wolverine costume? Like, there's mm-hmm. lots of different costumes, but it's still Wolverine. Right. This movie, you could have put Doug Bradley right in there yes, as Pinhead. Yes, yes. And it would have still been the same movie. The Cenobites looks, people are like, oh, it's a different Cenobite. They look different. Well, first of all, they're updated and look cooler. Just saying. <laughs> But they also don't, it didn't change the spirit of it. It still right. could have been the old, it's like, that's the thing. It's just a different imagining of it. It's a di- different drawing. It's a different rendition of it. And that's fucking fine with me. Like that worked. Here's something I thought that they did great. Here's where they expanded. They didn't overreach and trying to be like, yeah, now our pinhead flies. And then this one does it. Right, like, yeah. like they didn't try to add. Pinhead on. is actually a fallen angel who be getting there. Oh, no. This is and that's where the Predator movies started to fall apart. They kept trying to add too much. This is where the Alien movies fell apart. Right, adding Pinhead adding, is yeah. actually her son and her brother. And no, it's not. It's yeah. just Pinhead. So what they added, which is smart, is the lore. We have this guy, and we see in a book like the the different configurations of how the puzzle box works. We haven't really explored that much in the other movies. Like, yeah, you beeping, booping, and you twist it and you twat it, and then all of a sudden, chains come out. Yeah, and Cenobites. Yeah, Yeah. Cenobites. This actually played with it in a way that you're like, oh, the different configurations have different meanings, and those meanings have different things like knowledge and suffering and lore, and like it has things that built into a world where you're like, oh, I want to know more about that. And here's to me the essence, the essence of the entire Hellraiser thing is. Hellraiser is about looking through a keyhole and seeing something you're not supposed to see and then fucking being afraid of it because you can't stop thinking about it. And a lot of this expanded on that, like, what is on the fringe? What is on the outside that I'm not supposed to see, but I'm getting glimpses of? And as a kid who grew up in the unfettered wild days of the early Internet, we saw a whole bunch of fucking shit that we were like, I don't think I'm supposed to be seeing this. This is fucked up. 
Thanks, Internet. But like <laughs> that to me is like what Hellraiser is, is re-involving that feeling when your friend sends you a link and suddenly you're like, that's a guy with an arrow in his head. And here's a picture of a guy being beheaded. Like, wh- what the fuck? What? And he's like, ah, funny. But you're just like, I wasn't supposed to see that. I was never supposed to see that. But yeah, like, yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks to the early internet on a college speed dorm room, fast ass internet connection, <laughs> I saw all sorts of <laughs> fucked up shit. And like the Hellraiser things appeal to me because of that. It wasn't about the kink. It wasn't about the the gore. It was about that feeling of you're seeing something that you're not supposed to see. And there's some people who are going to go, oh, I'll peek through that hole again and like give me more. Yeah. That's fucking cool. And this movie did a great job. Here's something that I want to bring up that I think the entire franchise, including this movie, have failed at with the with the Cenobites, is they're always like, we have such sights to show you, show you pleasure and pain, blah, 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 blah. They never show the pleasure. It's always the pain. Nobody, they never say pleasure is pain. They and never pain is pleasure. <laughs> they never show why someone would be enticed to want what the Cenobites have to offer. Somebody's just like, well, I've reached the end of fuck them. I've fucked everything sideways. Guess I got to <laughs> cut my dick off now. Like they never show. And I, again, I, I don't need to like, I don't need to get Do you into. Think we, maybe that's coming. Do you think, pun aside, do you think maybe? <laughs> do you think maybe we've only seen one type of Cenobites, and that's the pain kind? And then there are like sexy ass pleasure bites coming. <laughs> just, just, just blowjob Cenobites. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but I'm just saying, like, they never show the enticement of it. Like the guy Voight in this movie, he wants to capture one so he can have an audience with with Leviathan, the god of the Cenobites. And like, what did you think was going to fucking happen? Guy shows up with 30 pins in their face and their tits cut off. What do you think they're going to provide you when you're like, I want sensation? They're peeling your skin off your back, bro. They're like, what do you like? And that's the thing is like, do you I think wanted- it was supposed to be like the next level of like, I've like you said, fucked everything that can be fucked. I want to do whatever the next thing is. And according to the Cenobites, the next thing is to start peeling shit off of you <laughs> because that hurts so bad. It ends up being there's some indescribably good because it's too much. So I, mean, I think the idea is, are you into the taboo enough to be like, holy shit? Like, I think any taboo you take that we on terrestrial Earth in real life, not in Hellraiser, know, you know, like like bondage and stuff. I have no experience in that, but I understand that there are people who are like, wait, people aren't supposed to really tie other people up, but that's kind of hot. Like that in and of itself <laughs> makes it hot. The, the and I think of it all. Yeah. And I guess like you peeling someone's face off and sticking it on a hook to their freaking clavicle, I guess is like incentivite idea. The next step of that be like, man, if you thought tying each other up when you shouldn't was hot, <laughs> handcuffs, how amateur. Well, but that's the thing. It's like you hear about the, like the Wall Street trader who like goes and visits some dominatrix just so she can like step on his nuts with a high heel. Like, but but like the Cenobites don't even start there. Like that's the thing. Like, and also the guy Voight who's like, I'm this rich guy who wants this next. Level. Like he doesn't strike me. Like we all know the type where you're like. I know what they're into. They kind of wear it on their sleeves. <laughs> they dress like Cenobites. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's the thing is like, we never see, I never see why somebody's like, fuck yeah, I'm opening this box. Like, I think like Frank opened the box in the first film because he, he heard that it promised him something greater. Voight has fucking seen people get flayed up with hooks when they open the box. 
And he's like, yeah, give me some of that shit. And you're like, wait, you you, you want more? Like, I, I understand if you were tricked thought, like, into it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those things where like the devil gives you a wish. and You're like, ah, I'll outsmart you. Me, some dumbass mortal is going to outsmart the devil. You're like, no, asshole. That's what the fucking devil does. Yeah. You're supposed to like it's a carnival game. You're supposed to think you're going to win. But I guess in, in this movie, that rich ass guy who's watching people get flayed by hooks, he thinks that's a means to an end. And if he gets enough idiots in that chamber to get the hooks flayed, he could be like, oh, now I can have extreme sensation. I can have extreme pleasure. And that's the thing. You read the fine print. If it's using the word sensation and not the word pleasure, that's when you start to think twice, right? Uh, You're going to have but, extreme sensation. Yeah. Wait, do you mean a fucking dial through my chest that literally rotates my nerves around coils? Or do you mean like... Blah, 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 boing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that you brought up the deal because that is a huge part of the Hellraiser thing. It's like making deals with the devil and like bargaining and trying to get things. And here's a point where I really liked the Jamie Clayton portrayal of the Hell Priest because... Doug Bradley is a classic. You always will be. But he played it almost androgynously dry. Like, you mm -hmm. don't know what his deal is. He just says the words. He's just there. He's so dry that it's terrifying. Jamie Clayton played it with sort of like a feline like curiosity. Like, oh, yeah, you're praying? Cute. What are you praying mm -hmm. for? Yeah, oh, yeah. really? You think you have something you can offer me? Okay, I'll listen. You tell me this. And the way she just, like, the words sounded similar, but, like, the way she would sort of smirk and look at people in a way that was very, like, I, I, I like the amusement. You got a crush. <laughs> yeah. We're going to find Ruby fucking from 30 hooks in a minute. <laughs> no. She, I, I just thought it was a good job. I, I, I never was worried that they were going to ruin it. You know, as long as they didn't, as long as they didn't play it up as like a sex thing, they played her still up as like again, right, right, right. it could have been Doug, Doug Bradley or not. Like her being a woman didn't change the story. Well, it was a good, um, a good alternate take on it, right? Because if actually, you not alternate. Her, the original book, it is a girl. Well, but if you had, I read the original book in college as well. If you read, I mean, if you had her in the new makeup play the Doug Bradley pinhead, like you said, yeah. the flat, dry thing, it. I think everyone would be like, oh, she didn't do as good a job as him. But yeah. because she did almost like a different character, it was a new character, right? A different a different version of Binhead. I think it worked. And like you said, like even the lines where she's like talking to that rich guy and she's like, ah, you didn't want this. You really wanted this. They have already stated that they know everything. So the fact that she is saying that shows that she didn't know that she's coming to a new realization. But you watch her kind of like understand that. And like you said, yeah, you're right. I didn't think of it, but that is not exactly how a Doug Bradley scene probably would have gone. So you're right. It feels different. <laughs> but how, how stupid is this fucking Voight guy? You already <laughs> had your nerves wrapped up in a goddamn clock and you're like, I want him off. And they're like, fine, fine, fine. You get him off. You get him. And they're like, well, now that you've gotten him off, you can play double or nothing, go through door number three, <laughs> or you can walk away. And he's like, I'll take door number three. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. And just like walk through. And it was like, fool me once, Cenobite. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what the fuck were you? What did you think I didn't was going to happen? Uh, I didn't see that coming. I would that, like that. Well, <laughs> so we're kind of talking about it as if you yeah. guys have seen the movie, but the movie opens with this rich guy who gets the puzzle box. He tricks some idiot into coming up and fucking with it. And then that guy gets ripped to shreds. And the, this rich guy, Voight, it now has the keys to kind of make a deal with the Cenobites. 
And we don't really know what, like, <clears throat> you don't know what happens to him. Later in the movie, the main characters get back to his mansion, which essentially is like fortified with this gate, which we are pretty clear has something to do with keeping Cenobites in or out of something. Cenobite trap. Yeah, yeah. He built they a giant Cenobite trap. Yeah. It makes sense. It looks like the puzzle. A I bit. saw 13 ghosts, bro. I know what's up. Yeah, exactly. They get into this mansion, their secret passageways and shit. And a couple of times, someone sneaks by somewhere and you don't know who it is. Come to find out it's this rich ass guy and he's got this giant device through his chest. It comes out his back and out his chest. And it literally is like a spindle that is turning his nerves. And you see his nerves going in and out of his body and getting scraped by this thing. It's a pretty cool idea. But like they, they do that. And I didn't expect that coming. And then later it's revealed that this, the main character, Riley's boyfriend, Trevor, who has been, he's the one that directed her to the, pre- to the puzzle box. He tried to throw it away a couple times. He is in cahoots with this rich guy, Voight. So he's almost like a traitor to this. And I did not see that coming. I didn't. I mean, I wasn't super invested in trying to figure shit out, but I was surprised when that happened. I was like, oh, okay, good on you. You got me. I didn't see that coming. We knew he was tied in somehow, but I thought they were going to go like the super like he's his son route or something awful like that. Mm. But no, I liked how it went. It was a good surprise. The the complexity of it. My biggest issue with Trevor is at the beginning, they're like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm an artist. And then he goes back to his apartment. No artist has that nice of an apartment. He's got a pinball yeah, machine giant, in there. beautiful loft. Yeah. And you're like, you're a recovering addict who's also an artist. And like as a side job, locks up warehouses and drives yeah. things back and forth. Yeah. And you're living in this posh ass loft. Get the yeah. fuck out. I mean, but I mean, I understand how television and TV and stuff works. But I guess. At, and at the end, I was like, I guess I give them like a 50 percent pass because he has this like rich patron. He's like, I'll give you a bunch of money to try and kill people with this puzzle box. And he's like, all right, I'll take that money. Pimp out my loft. But it's like, again, if you if you're if I'm willing to believe that this guy's like this rock bottom drug addict, you already sold the pinball machine for smack, bro. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> he had that whole character and that traitor thing ended up being my favorite effect is there's a, a Cenobite that has these like essentially a piano wire rings that she's, you know, pulling people predator style against the wall with. He gets pulled against the floor and he gets his arm kind of pulled over almost like he's stretching his 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 uh, upper arm behind his back and the skin peels off of his forearm just de- and it gloved looks him, practical bro. yeah it looks really good and i was like it was pretty brutal it was pretty graphic and i feel like that's the exact type of effect that should be in a hellraiser movie that most other horror movies would shy away from by being like this is a little hardcore but like that's why I'm watching a Hellraiser ultimately for that exact reason. I, I thought the kills were pretty excellent. And I think I think by the end, even though I said I felt the characters were a little shallow, I felt bad when her friends started getting murdered. Like one of the girls, her tapas roommate, her who makes tapases, who's in the van, she gets like wrapped up in hooks and she's bent over backwards. And the hell priest says she's like starts praying, and the hell priest says, You pray, how like cute. What, what are you praying for? And she's like, salvation. She's like, ha, ha, ha. you know, and then we get the the no tears, it's a waste of good suffering. Fucking awesome. Tears her apart with hooks. Fucking great. Um, the guy getting degloved. De- awesome. Uh, like like we saw all sorts of really awesome kills like that. And it's it's interesting because the puzzle box, as you're building these configurations, these like little knives and needles pop out, and if you bleed, the Cenobites show up and fuck your shit up. 
um, and you can like stab other people with it. Seems to be a little bit of a loophole there. I was kind of like, wouldn't wouldn't you in if you're making Hellbox rules? I don't know how how that works. How you develop like how do you encode a Cenobite uh, lament configuration? Oh, to- explains it in the book. You got to read the book. to 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 have the rules uh i would have like at least programmed it to be like oh if you stick another cenobite they've already been cenobited and they can't be destroyed yeah yeah although like for the sake of the movie to to use that as a well and i saw that coming but i thought it was it was used well it's timed well it worked well, well and it goes back to the original movie which the biggest fault of the first film is she uses the puzzle box to electro zap them into oblivion like i like i don't understand but that's how she defeats him in the first movie the biggest fault of the first film is (laughs) (laughs) matt is pantomiming the architect which is some awful like scorpion face monster on wheels that comes through a door at one point like it just it did need to be that way but um, i mean yeah you could have just had another guy in leather being like blah 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 and you'd be like oh creepy that's fucking freaky but yeah this could have just been a cenobite with a hard hat like melted to his head yeah i'm the architect (laughs) (laughs) the crawling creature is a cool idea but it didn't it was one of those that like they needed to film it differently for that to make for for it to make that look good and it also didn't make sense and no yeah Um, yeah when you have the hell razor animals you're like "Mm." so I, again, I, I thought it all worked out really well. I, I thought the effects were good. I thought the makeup was good. I thought the plot was pretty fucking solid. Again, better than of 11, 10 of them. Like, come on, maybe nine of them. I don't know. I'll, I'll give the first two good credit. And But like, to me, this is either the second or third best Hellraiser film, which compa- <laughs> when the which I think is pretty fucking great. Come on. So I've seen a movie called Jack Frost starring Michael Keaton as a friendly snowman. I've seen a movie called Jack Frost about a mutant killer snowman that kills people and devastates the town. (laughs) One of those movies got a sequel, not the one you think. (laughs) I've also, it might have been the same day as I watched this Hellraiser or it was the day before on Tubi. I watched another movie called Jack Frost, which was about like the spirit Jack Frost. Claymation it was a one movie. What's oh, that? No. Oh, oh, it wasn't the claymation one. No, no, no. It was it was a newer like 2021, 2022 horror movie. It, it might have been a Kiwi horror movie. It was not American or they weren't speaking with American accents, at least. And it was terrible. <laughs> like, it was stupid. It was like it like shitty movie Sunday would have made it funnier, but it was not like it wouldn't have been a good one. They had a cool looking mask. That kind of moved a little bit when the actor moved his mouth, but it didn't sell talking. And they fucked with his voice so much that it was hard to understand what he was saying. And all of his like cool quips, none of them or many of them were not related to cold or ice or anything like that. He started to do some Christmas and holiday ones, but you're like, that's not exactly Jack Frost. But anyway, it was hard to understand. And they gave him so many lines. I swear to God, the first time the Cenobites talk in this movie, 2022, it's the same exact voice modulation. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Because the first time she talks, I rewound it to hear what she said. And I was like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Like the Cenobites hang out with Jack Frost. And they're just like, like what? <laughs> Almost turned it off at that point, but it was good. What did you, I needed to say that because it was on my chest. It's hilarious. What did you think about the ending? Remember how it ended? It ends with the uh, Voight being taken into the Leviathan and turned into, again, very hearkening back to uh, Hellraiser mm-hmm. 2, Hellbound, um, he, turning him into a Cenobite, which I thought was... But like that's the last scene or sequence, and it's like a couple minutes of him melting kind of on this giant... It's not a cross, but this giant thing, and 
There's light coming from behind him and his skin is blue. It looks like he's turning into a Cenobite, but like they spend some time showing you that. It's not a quick clip. It's not a shot. It's not two shots. You're there for a minute. I thought that was an interesting way to end it. Does it remember Hellbound when when the... Oh, it immediately made me think of Hellbound. He's, and he I goes in the box they, and gets all... I wonder if they already think they're going to do a sequel or if they are just doing that, you know, like as a as a blue milk thing where they're like, oh, remember the first one? Remember the second one? Here's our little nod so that we still have you. And you're like, yeah, but you, there's an extra two minutes. You didn't need that. <laughs> I'm always... I, I, I am always a little weirded by in those movies when they add more Cenobites. It's like, what did they do to deserve that? Like, these people obviously had to prove their willingness to flay their skin and stuff. Like, I feel like it was a little unearned. But I mean, I guess Voight did kill a whole bunch of people and sacrifice them to this box. So they're like, hey, for being our biggest donor, here you go. Here's a bonus. <laughs> um, I, I did think it was weird that it didn't end on your protagonist. Um, so that that is strange but well very much was like yeah it's like when you turn the camera to an object in the room and you stay there for a second you show her you're showing me that for a reason and they showed us this character who arguably is not one of the main characters until the last the last reel of the movie right i mean we start with him and we end with him but he's kind of a bookend you know he's a coda yeah but um I liked how it ended because, you know, she or Riley does the final solving of the puzzle box and they said, pick something. What do you want? You want knowledge? You want pleasure? You want, you know, experience? And she goes, I want, I want nothing. I take nothing. She chooses the, the, the basic block, which is the lament configuration. And they're like, oh, that's sad. I guess you don't want all our cool shit. Well, that's fine. And they, they leave her alone. But they, they, they tease her. They're like, you can see your brother again. We can bring your brother back. And she knows that that comes with strings. She knows that they, or hooks or chains, you know, (laughs) uh, in this case, chained up brother. She knows that that comes with, um, with caveats. So she says, no, I know he's dead and, and leaves it alone. And, and I thought that that was so fitting for the addict story is like, she knows Mm -hmm. that I think, you know, the, the real life version of it is, you know, you've driven somebody away from you so much that they don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, like, I think that's what the true version of that is, but she knows that she has to live with that. And she has to live with that every day. And the lament configuration like fits that really well. And I was like, that's an awesome way to tie it all together. Fucking cool, man. I thought that was good too. And I said, it, I that was one of those moments like the van where I was like, you know, it would be cool if she said nothing. Because like, first of all, deal with the devil. I know I'm not going to win no matter yeah. what I pick. So nothing, I don't want anything. But I think I would have been like, can I get Legos? Like is Legos a thing? It has to be like... <laughs> Can I get the uh, collector series ATAT? Is that? Can I get like all of you, but in seven inch articulated plastic <laughs> versions? Before I say goodbye, is there a sexy version of you guys? <laughs> I know we have a pleasure pain thing going. I see the pain. Got it. Not my bag. I'm definitely not enticed. Like, but that's the thing about all these movies is like the Cenobites show up, and regardless of who it is, if they're if they like want that, they're immediately like fuck yeah this is cool and you're like i would have a little more trepidation even if you told me no bro just just try shoving needles in your fingernails it's you're gonna love it i'll be like i don't i'm pretty sure i won't but like most people seem to be like hell yeah cenobites come and get me well i think but that we're only we're watching a movie where that happens like a handful of people even if you take every person all this hellraiser movies that have wanted that it's still a minuscule point of the population don't you think i mean yeah sure uh so (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. It's a valid point. Um, so I thought it was good. And I was happy to hear that Clive Barker sort of finally came around and gave it his endorsement. Because at first he was like, no, fuck you guys. But then I think he came around and was like, you well, know what? Imagine you're good Clive idea. Barker, right? 
Sure. And you have some really cool properties and stuff that has been done with them, stuff that really hasn't. Hellraiser, like you said, Pinhead is a big player, right? He is a name horror character, right? A name horror creature. You had one great movie, another pretty good movie, which I'd say was the first two, I think, are on par with each other, at least. Then you have a third one, which is like, fine. Then you have a fourth one, which is like, fine. And then, like, no joke, how many shitty sequels did he have to at least sit and watch walk past him? You know what I mean? Yeah. So when someone else is like, we're making a new Pinhead and we're making a new Hellraiser. He's like, like, I've heard this before. Fine. Is my check going to clear? Because it hasn't on the past few. <laughs> and they're like, fuck yeah, the check's going to clear. He's like, great. I love it. Picture I'm on board. this. <laughs> a cop down on his luck. Oh. <laughs> what At are your point, hopes? Clyde yeah. Barker's really playing with the box and he's trying to get some chains coming out of there because he's like, I'm done here. This, <laughs> this feels terrible. I'd rather I, have chains. One thing I also want that that we don't see often in these movies is they seem really easy to solve. I would love to see somebody who was like, I couldn't figure it out. Fuck this thing. Throw it on the ground. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Right. Uh, Because, I mean, I got a Rubik's Cube. I'm sure if I put some time into it, I could figure it out. But nah. well, by that rationale, I would love to see some Jack Hole take the, the puzzle cube and start peeling the stickers off. (laughs) and then the cenobites on the other side are like are we do we go out now can we does that count does that count we have such sights to show you he's a cheater we better be careful with our devil's gift um another slight qualm is i felt like when they did the close-ups of the cube it looked 3d printed and not uh metal and in the original one it like it looked metal like they always had Mm. real metal pieces which again that's such a minor thing that's fine but i like that the that it did more things in in this like there was only two or three things that the the other ones did at any given time yeah this i mean obviously this had more of a mythos with what the box was physically doing at a given time I don't think the other movies called attention to it, but for all I know, every time the box did this in the movies, this happened. I don't know. But what are your hopes cool. for a sequel? What do you want to see in a sequel? Well, now you got me thinking about those sexabites. That's what I want. I want to see the ones that come out and they're like, ooh, you solve the... It's like satin ribbons come out and caress your... They tickle your, your the, the ends of your toes and your fingertips and they, instead of ch- getting you with chains and they tickle you and you're like... They have sex, um, sex to show you. You're like, yeah. The funniest part about that, though, is you know that the Cenobites and the Sexobites like hate each other. The Cenobites are like, sure. lesser, lesser. What a bunch of bullshit. Like, I guess if you want all that good shit, but like, but then you get ugh. two awesome movies out of that idea, right? That you have this kingdom of pain and this pleasure palace that are constantly a war. I want an apocalyptic war between the two. So you have like your aliens movie where it's just nonstop action. But I also want the Romeo and Juliet version where you have a Cenobite and a Sexobite Sexobite. who fall out of (laughs) Brilliance. Brilliance. Write it. Um, I I would. So something that I loved in the earlier movies is when they start developing like where the boxes came from. Like when you see in the pat. Like I love that. And we'd never gotten them to really like they did a good job in Bloodlines for sure. But like Mm -hmm. could be better. Certainly could be better. Could be at least more interesting. Um. So that could be interesting to see. And I also would like to see them explore other vices. Like if the first pinhead was kind of a, you know, a sex vice thing. And this one's like an addiction one. Like, let's see other vices, like a gambling one, especially with the the Cenobites who are very much into deals with the devil. Like you could have somebody who's a a gambling addict who's like, they're like, you know, we're going to tear your soul apart. And he's like, whoa, 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 how about I bring, they're like, unless you bring us X number of souls in this many days. And he's like, like, 
you need to bring us 24 souls in four days. He's like, what if I bring you 12 souls in two days? And they're like, intriguing. Ooh. Uh, you know, a, a failing. I'm thinking of like the, the, there's the architect Cenobite, but there's also an accountant Cenobite who has like that green visor hat and a little tax <laughs> machine. And he's like, okay, 12 in two days. Yeah, that's a good deal. Take it. Take it. I bet we can get his soul. Yeah, but that thing is built into him. And like when he cranks it, it like yanks out his <laughs> spine and shit. You know, it's his it's his rib. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but every time he does it, he comes. <laughs> no. What about um, a Terminator situation? And this happens multiple times in different ways in the Terminator franchise. But where one of the Cenobites turns and helps the protagonist. Mm, maybe. It would be terrible. No, I don't think that would actually work. No, because I think once you, like, again, once you get to Cenobite form, you're all in. Like, you are, I mean, you kind of can't go back. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the funniest, like, Cenobite rehabilitation. They're just, like, all sewn up and they just look like Frankensteins now. And they're just like, yeah, I had a good time. But, uh." well, can you, can you lament your choice if you're a Cenobite? Like, can you, can you be an Agent Smith where you're like, right? I'm tired of doing this. I've done this for, millennia yeah Yeah. well that's kind of kind of what happens if you read the comic books of the later pinheads that's kind of what happens (laughs) and then then he starts working at like costco or something yeah right like this is worse i love it and i hate it (laughs) (laughs) the perks are pretty good i love the employee discount um i would love to see retail is torture I would love to see more in the maze. Um, we only got a little taste of that, but I would love to see them kind of go into Hellraiser 2 territory. Um, mm. So I have had for years an idea. I want to do a Predator Pinhead crossover, and I have quite a lot written out. And like, and like, I think it's a brilliant idea. And like, people are like, that sounds crazy. But when you start telling it to them, they're like, oh, that's actually, um, actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn good. good. And you actually, in our Predator, we have an episode called Predator Verse, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. our show, and we talk about all these different matchups with Predator, and I think you go into that a little bit. I go into a little bit, but one of the ones I really wanted to do was a Predator fighting Pinhead in the room with all the puzzle boxes, because because we've seen that there's multiple puzzle boxes, but it's like you know different sizes, ones different shaped ones, different puzzle different types of puzzle boxes, and like just them in a room that's just like an endless hall of different puzzle boxes, and they're just fighting and I'm knocking over towers of puzzle boxes. I think that's fuck that'd be a fucking cool scene to have. In a in a Hellraiser movie, and then a sexabite comes in and is like, "Whoops, wrong room." <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the predator and the cenobite kind of like look at each other and are like, "Uh." <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. And it, again, it's like I don't think these movies need to be about kink and sex and BDSM to be cool. And I think they're doing a great job starting off. So I hope that mm. they continue this trend. And really, you don't need. I mean, I guess it could get old. But if you make a competent movie, you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. You don't like please add don't. on to the lore. Sure. But it should be like, um, you know, what it should be you build on it. Don't change what's there. Don't try to top what's there. Just yeah. put a new piece on because something, something, because don't be like, well, this is really this. And then that and this ugh, related. It's like, I think it's one of those things where it's like you pick one. Add something to the lore, but don't change what was established. Sure. Like the puzzle box is actually a little house that you can climb inside, and it's so much bigger on the inside. <laughs> the puzzle box is sentient. No, no, it's just no. No, don't do that. Stop it. The puzzle box can talk if you tickle it the right way. Don't do that. Like 
Again, I know every movie is going to add more Cenobites to the list. That's fine. I would want to do the same thing. But don't, like you said, you don't have to top it. You don't have to. Don't, right. Don't right. fuck this because you got it. You have it set up. You got it yourself in a good place. The boat is right, is is corrected. Don't overcorrect by having phone Cenobite ruin the party. Remember the dog Cenobites in Bloodline? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Wasn't, wasn't no, you about like Oh, why? Like, why? Who's torturing animals? Why are you doing that? You don't think dog Cenobites, you don't think dogs have the same Cenobite culture they just in their afterlife? They just hump your shit? leg. They just hump your leg. That's all they do. And then they get yeah, stuck. They, they hump get st- it with razors. <laughs> then they get stuck inside each other and hobble down the street. And it's really funny, but also kind of sad. Dogs or the Cenobite dogs? The Cenobite dogs. Yeah, but they're also stabbing each other. Stabbing each other. <laughs> uh, anyway, guys. What did you think about the Hellraiser 2022 reimagining? Uh, did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you? <laughs> would you make a deal with uh, this Hell Priest? Let us know. Hit us up. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod. And our website, launchpadpod.com. Tell us if you're excited about sequels. Tell us uh, what's your favorite current Hellraiser movie. Do we have any weirdos out here who are like, Bloodlines is the best? I like Hell World. Get the also, fuck with us and tell us, because I think, Aaron, you're in the same boat as me, where like I could tell you, I don't remember details about three, but I could tell you what kind of happened in it. Same with four, Bloodlines. Yeah, four, yeah, yeah. Bloodlines was four, right? Yes. Um, Five through whatever number this really was, I don't know. <laughs> Try to fuck with us. Be like, just write us a one-liner. And some of you do the right thing, and some of you make shit up. <laughs> so I want you to out- say like, Seven was about, you know, seven takes place on a boat. Just say that, you know, don't make it, don't make it crazy. Make it something that we could believe and let us try to figure out which one are real or fake. Friend of the show, Lee is going to be good at this because he, uh, he like, he has put himself through these, like he, he might be, he might take the puzzle box offer because he's put himself through these films so many times. <laughs> he's like once a year, he's like, I, I got bad binge it again. I don't know. I don't know why I did that. But you're he's like, he's the Riley of of puzzle box <laughs> movies. He's watching all these movies nonstop, and his older brother's like, "You got to go get a job. You can't keep watching Pinhead eight through 12. <laughs> <laughs> I just watch. I just want him to be good. If I keep watching them, maybe they'll get better. Speaking of getting better, Rumi, after talking through it with me, is it a little better? Are you a little warmer to it than before? Yeah, because I think it I think it accomplished certain things that I didn't give it give it enough credit for or didn't think about. Um will I ever watch this version again? Probably not, but not out of spite or anything. Just I can't think of a reason why I'd rewatch this. See, I, mean? I I go back to the original all the time, but almost like literally that gooey Frank reborn scene is worth watching at least once a year. Like fuck come yeah. on, like pff, fuck yeah. And that's the thing is like this doesn't have that sequence that makes you say, I got to come back for that. Well, there's also that movie set the mold for that, right? Like if you think about if you were making a comic book or a movie or whatever and you needed generic creatures, leather bound pain people would be one of them because of Hellraiser, right? Because of the first movie. That leather, those ripped open wounds and shit, that is a trope because of that movie. You and I knew Pinhead before we saw the movie. You know what I mean? And that's strong. Like that's in, in that's in our culture. That's in the culture of entertainment, where it's such a big thing that people know that they know who he is. They know the gist of his idea. 
without even having seen the movie. You'll never get that. You, you can't redo that. You've already done it once. You know what I mean? You can't sure. remake a new trope from the same thing. But so I, you'll, I never, think... you'll never get a you'll never get a re-experience of that, right? No, you won't. But I think you always like, I don't know. I feel like you should always try strive to have a centerpiece moment that makes you go, fuck, I need to watch that again just for that scene. Like, mm. like you know, uh, whether it's a fight scene in a movie or, or uh, you know, this incredible moving moment of dialogue, uh, uh, you know, bitch and sex scene. Their movies have a moment in them that just like, I'm coming back for that. And this had some cool pieces to it, but I don't think I'm coming back to watch that guy get shredded up at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think I'd watch it again to see the Cenobites because I really liked them. But again, now now they're on the internet. I just look up 2022 Cenobites. Cool. Um, keyhole, keyhole. Keyhole, keyhole. <laughs> um, that would be your Cenobite, keyhole. Keyhole, yeah. You have no eyes, just keyholes. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought they did a great job. I'm excited to see what they do next, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, I'll get to be involved with one at some point. Be awesome. Do that van shit. That was good. <laughs> All right, dude. Let's blast cool. this thing off. Yeah, your hands not gonna fucking open up into like split off hands, right? And chains are gonna fly out of the screen and rip me to pieces. Jesus, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one had the spinning statue? Was that two or three? Uh, three, three. The guy buys the statue, and like for mm-hmm. the first like half of the movie, Pinhead's like, "Bring up chicks, feed me Seymour," and he's like, oh, "That's right." <laughs> it's like fucking Pinhead's head sticking out of it. And it's like, <laughs> well, when I bought it, I don't remember it being a Billy Bass, but uh, yeah. And it's got like a bunch of like doll parts and shit sticking out of it. It just looks like some stupid fucking yard sale nonsense. <laughs> then it spins. Cool, bro. Cool. <laughs> And then like and hooks come out, that. and then like, and then they suck the blood out of the people. I mean, it's not the worst, but that guy's no, a douchebag. So it's like, for sure. Yeah. Pinhead five, which is it was Pinhead three. Fucking <laughs> 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 for sure, dude. Any of the ones with like fucking down on the luck, goddamn cops. Those oh, ones, shoes, yeah, yeah, terrible. Got Let's this puzzle box up. and a bunch of fucking chopped up people with chains all over. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, the Rocketeers, and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero.